Um, today's passage comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much and turn to the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much and turn to the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master, an master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will, be give, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God. We are in a series on stewardship. And for... Those of you who don't know what stewardship means, uh, stewardship means that you are in charge of taking care of what belongs to somebody else. It's a really big and important concept in the Bible, and there's perhaps no more um, quintessential and just relevant passage of the Bible than this passage that we read. And it actually kind of has a bit of a scary ending there, doesn't it? Um, you can see that the stakes are very big. This chapter, Matthew chapter 25, all of them are pieces about how judgment will happen. Now, if you, if you are a person, I mean, maybe you don't believe in Jesus or you're not even sure you believe in God. Um, this is a really big issue. Um, is your life really just here to live 80 or 90 years and then you die and then that's it? You're just gone? Or is there an accounting for your life? And if there's an accounting for your life, um, how you live those 80, 90, or hopefully you get to live 100 years, um, it's, it's a really big deal. How is your life going to be accounted? And this is a really big matter. Now, we've been talking about particularly the stewardship of money. And this is strange because this passage actually uses money, but it's actually not about money. <laughs> That's really strange, isn't it? Uh, it's literally about money, but the deeper meaning is not about money. 
And so let's get into it today in a message um, that I have entitled, The Entrance to the Master's Joy, and uh, in three parts. Part one, the stewardship of talents. The stewardship of talents. Part two, how do you see the master? So, you know, no suspense here. The master is Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, you've given your life to Jesus, he's the master that you're going to answer to. And he's the one that's going to say, hey, how did you do with what is really mine, but I entrusted to you? And there's a really important question arising here inside this passage. How do you see him? That's what I want to talk about in part two. And I want to close uh, by a reflection that I'm going to call the eternal joy of sharing glory. The eternal joy of sharing glory. Okay? So part one, the stewardship of talents. Um, first, let's uh, just explain what is a talent. So in the modern um, you know, American English, you know, the definition of talent is it's some kind of uh, ability, some special you know, gifting that you have. Maybe it's music or uh, or maybe you're good at math, or maybe you're good at drawing, or maybe you're, you know, you're good at, you know, you're good at organization. I don't know if you think that's, that's a talent, but it clearly is, because if you ever look at my desk, I clearly do not have that talent, okay? Um, but maybe you're very good at organization. So, like, this is the way we tend to think about it, but I don't know if you know this, but that language for the word talent is, comes from this passage. <laughs> and actually, the word talent in, in the ancient world, it didn't mean that at all. <laughs> the word meant a certain amount of money. And it is, um, you know, the, the, the amount would change a bit, but really the key point is it's a lot of money. <laughs> so just, uh, just um, I, I looked this up. Um, in the ancient Greek world, it might have been, so at least, I don't know if it was exactly this amount during this period of time when this was written, but one estimate was it's about, 80 pounds of uh, either gold or silver. So let me ask you, 80 pounds of gold or silver, is that a lot of money? Yeah, it's a lot of money, <laughs> right? Um, some would say, some, uh, another um, measure of uh, currency I've heard is it's worth about 6,000 denarii. Now, what's a denarii? A denarius is worth one day's wages. So this is the way it would, like, they, they actually would figure out an X amount of money is how much you give a person for one day's work, whether like a day laborer, or this is particularly, it would be in like, um, if, uh, if you had to hire soldiers to be mercenaries for your country. So not, not, not every, you know, we're gonna go to war, and uh, not every, you know, you didn't necessarily have an enlisted army, so you'd have to hire people. Well, how, how long is this battle gonna be? And you, then, how's, then you'd have to have some kind of measure for how much the money is going to be, and it would be by the day. So one denarius, that's how much you get. One talent is worth, at least at one point, 6,000 denarius, okay? I mean, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Um, so just to use something like Silicon Valley numbers, so I'll, I'll just, uh, I don't know if you know this, but here in our county, uh, we have the highest, I think we have the highest um, we have the highest uh, median household income in the whole country, in, in our county. And I think last, uh, last count, it's about $108,000. And so that's for, you know, this isn't, it's not exactly right, but let's just say that's about three, 300 days of work, right? And uh, 
So now 300 days of work for $100,000. So I'm just, let's just use, a, that's actually below the median, $100,000. So then now multiply 300,000 by 20. <laughs> I mean, 100,000 by 20. We're talking about like $2 million or, I don't know, am I doing the math right? Something like $2 million. That's one talent. One talent. So the story is about three different people. One guy gets five. He's, he's handed $10 million, okay? Another guy is uh, handed two. He's handed $4 million. And then the guy who's handed one, you're like, oh, he, he's this poor schmuck. He only got one. Yeah, he only got $2 million. <laughs> okay, so like, that's what we're talking about here. Just to try to translate this into kind of our modern day thinking. Now, now let's just... Let's just Let's just uh, stop for a moment. You've listened to me talking about money and being generous with our money, but this isn't about money. <laughs> so the theologians and pastors who have studied this passage and preached and taught this passage throughout you know, the generations, they've all concluded it's not about money. Why isn't it about money when it's explicitly, literally about money? <laughs> right? doesn't seem like the master, and if the master is supposedly Jesus, you know, like the master is like saying, well, I'm going to hand you a set of money, and now you're going to be my financial advisor, and let's see how you invest it. And so take my $2 million, and, you know, you want something for it, right? I mean, even from just a pure money point of view, you can see why the master, so let's just, you know, let's, don't think about Jesus for now. Just think about as a story. From a, a, just a story's point of view, if you have $2 million, you hand that money to somebody else. Go do something with this $2 million, and then I'm going to come back from my trip, and let's see what you did. If you come back, and the guy hands you $2 million, are you going to be happy? Now, for those of you who know anything, anything about investing, no, you should be mad. Because this is what will happen. Let's say you're gone for 20 years. And let's say inflation is 3% per year. You know what you're, what's happening? If you get handed back the exact same amount of money, you have lost... 3% per year times 20 years. And you know what that means? You lost a lot of money. That's, what, that's, that's exactly what, what will happen. And we're just talking about money. Now, let's just think for a little moment. Why isn't this about money? Because the master is Jesus. <laughs> the context is judgment. Now, let's just ask this for a moment. Does Jesus want you to bring him more money? No, that's absurd. <laughs> Jesus doesn't really care about money except for maybe how we use it, like we've been talking about, for love. That's what we've been talking about for three weeks. But he's not interested in getting you to make more money for him, so it's not about money. What's it about? What it is is that Jesus as God has handed everybody something so precious and valuable that the way he would put it is, it's something worth like, $2 million. And everybody only thinks, well, I don't have much. I don't, there's not much I can do. We, we tend to do this. We're very covetous and you know, com comparing kind of people. So covetousness is like, you just wish you had what somebody else had. You know, mostly it's like, I, you know, like in this valley, it's very like materialistic. I wish I had that person's house. I wish I had that person's car. But it starts getting more interesting. Like, I wish I was as tall as that person. I wish my hair was as nice as her. <laughs> And then we start doing other things too. I wish I could sing as well as this person. I wish I could be as smart as this person and then I would have gone to a better school and I could make more money. So what, when you're saying you wish you were as smart as this person, in other words, you're as good at math 
or as you're as good at writing. What you're talking about is a talent, right? And this is what we are. We're, we're, we're covetous of other people's talent. And then we took a look at our own. Well, I, I can sort of kind of draw a little bit, okay? And it's not that good. And you, know, you compare yourself to people who are really, really good at it. And then you go, well, I'm really not that good. And then we just go, this is all I got. And it's not worth much. Not so. According to this passage, the Lord gives everybody something. <laughs> he gives everybody something. Whatever yours is, let me tell you something. It's really, really valuable. <laughs> it's very, very precious. And then, the other thing that we need to learn from this passage is he expects you to use this talent. He expects you to use it. And he expects you to go do something with it. And somehow, according to the passage, it grows bigger and it multiplies. That's what the passage is about. Now, let me, um, let me, take, you to another, let me get, take you to another text. This is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And it's said a little differently here. This is how it's said in this passage. As each has received a gift. So that's, that's the other language we use. A talent is like a gift. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good, there's that word, stewards of God's varied grace. So let's just stop for a moment there. So grace to different people, when you know, there's the grace of God for you know, so that you would know that you really are a wretched sinner and you need salvation. That's like the grace of recognizing your sinfulness and you need, you need someone to redeem you. But there's other graces. Just grace is that which we've been given, which we don't necessarily deserve. And there's all kinds of different graces that are given. And there are, in this case, gifts. And there's a lot of different ones. And it goes on. So let's go on. Verse 11. Whoever speaks, this is how you should use it. If you're good at talking, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. It just names two different gifts. In order that, everything God, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, um, let's just talk a little bit about this. So, this is really interesting. Money, if you have money and somebody else doesn't have it, it's a zero-sum game. You get what I mean by that? It's like one person has it, the other person can't have it. I mean, I guess you could say you share between your, you know, your, like, like your, your husband and wife could share, but really they see you as one entity, right? But that's kind of like the way money operates. But that isn't actually the way talents operate. You ever think about this? I want you to think about this. And I think this is a clue as to what, the passage is trying to teach us. So let's just use something like singing. You know, you know our brother who, who shared, you know, he, he doesn't think he's a good singer, but I guess he sings, all right? And um, so let's say somebody has a talent for singing or for music, and it's such a big deal that there are all kinds of TV shows about this, right? And so if a person is, is, a, is a good singer, or even if they're not even a great singer, but they sing okay, and they come up and they sing with all their heart. Let me ask you something. What, does that ex what, 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 what actually happens? Everybody in the room receives a little piece of glory. That's what happens. What is glory? And that's what I want to talk about. Glory 
is that which is so beautiful that we need a better word than beautiful. <laughs> That's what glory is. Glory is that which is so beautiful, it's compelling that that's the thing that we all want. That you understand in this world, there is money and there's glory and money is nothing compared to glory. <laughs> because actually, all our money we use to chase glory. That's what really what we're doing. Like if you really love money, but actually you really, really love music, you know what you do with your money? You, you spend it on music. If you love beauty, because that's a different kind of glory, you would spend your money on beauty. <laughs> if you love sports, I mean, sports and athletic achievement, that's kind of like where I would like spend a chunk of money, right? And because the money goes there, because money is actually just a tool that serves actually glory. You know what is the gift of God? In God is all of, of the, that which is beautiful and good. <laughs> and you know what he does? He takes some of that and puts it in you. <laughs> Inside of you is a little piece of the glory. It's a little piece of that which is beautiful. And then if you go and use it, so, so let's just go, let's get back to singing. So somebody sings, all the people go, oh, that was really good singing. And nowadays you, you like it so much, you would put it on YouTube and then you would go listen to it again. And, and then you, it would go viral and it would share because that one, just that one time singing would go out and the glory would be shared, and the enjoyment of the glory would be multiplied again and again and again from one time of singing. You get what I'm saying? Let me give you a little bit of a different example. Um, there's a brother in our church. Uh, he, he couldn't make it here today. He had a family engagement. Um, he's a college student. His name is Calvin. So I can embarrass him while he's not here, okay? <laughs> All right, um, but Calvin was talking to our brother Damon, and apparently Calvin is very good at video editing. So like at a previous job that he had, he would have to take shots, and then he would have to edit it and use it for promotions and all this other stuff. So Damon and Calvin started talking, and so Damon was delighted and basically recruited Calvin to do our vision video. Isn't that incredible? I didn't know anybody. So, um, so then I set up a time, and so that's what I was working on yesterday. Like Calvin was, you know, shooting me, talking about our, our vid. And then we're, just, we're brainstorming. And then he said this really other interesting thing. So, um, so we're so thankful that he's going to shoot this video, and he's going to edit, and it's going to be really cool and beautiful. And you and I will be blessed when we see that video. And then anybody who wants to check out our church, they're going to see that video, and they're going to learn about our church. Why? Because Calvin has this little piece of glory which according to Jesus is worth like $2 million. <laughs> and then he's willing to use it. Now it gets even better. He, he, he had this little idea that he, he shared with, uh, with Damon and me. He goes, hey, pastor, um, sometimes I'm away at college. How about if I run a class and then anybody else who's interested in it, they can learn how to do it too. So now what happens to this glory? Just because Calvin uses it and then he spends one hour teaching it, the glory multiplies and grows. You see how that works? See how that works? Um, let me just give you one more example. So just, you know, like I use the example of organization. Have you, anybody ever read this? Uh, let me see if I, did I write it down? It, uh, there's a book that I read a couple years ago called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Anybody ever heard this book? <laughs> The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. It's written by this Japanese woman named Marie Kondo. It was a New York Times best-selling book. Okay? 
And so since I am horrible at tidying up, I actually bought this book. <laughs> so I bought this book. You can read it in one sitting. I mean, maybe two, you know, if you, but uh, I, sat, I read this in, in a couple sittings. And this lady, you know what? Okay, this, is, this is crazy to me, right? She teaches you how to think about all your stuff and declutter your life. And then this is the key insight of her wisdom, which is you should only keep things in your life that spark joy. That was her insight. <laughs> okay? So you got some old t-shirt and you put it on because, you know, you're like one of these frugal people that never throws anything away and therefore you're, you know, you're becoming a kind of, you're like halfway to hoard, becoming a hoarder, you know? So like, which is probably like half the room, right? And so you're like this cheap person and you're like, you got this t-shirt and you never throw it away. And you know what she says? She says, you should throw it away. <laughs> because does it spark joy? If it sparks joy, then it'll declutter your life. And then everything you buy, you won't just buy stuff. Now you should buy things that spark joy. And I thought about that and went, man, that's crazy. That is so wise. It's brilliant. Now, of course, most of us are like so like drowning in our stuff. So now, you know, what she does is she's a consultant and she comes along and she teaches people how to do this. And then she says, when you, in your life and your life is clean and you're sitting in a room where everything sparks joy, you actually will just get happier inside. She goes, it's amazing what it does to people's lives. So this is her Talent. <laughs> this is her talent. Oh, she helps you clean up. Really? Is that what she's doing? I would say Marie Kondo, and I don't think Marie Kondo is a Christian. You know what? God has gifted her with the talent of organizing, but the real thing that comes out of this is the glory of sparking joy. All right? So my wife has kind of done this, and so now her, like, her drawer looks a lot neater and it's like cooler and I haven't done this because I'm too lazy, okay? <laughs> and one of these days, maybe I will. I look at all my things and I'm like, okay, 90% of this apparently needs to go, right? And if I, my, my wife won't let me do it because if I only keep what, what sparks joy in my house, that'd be like a thousand books. <laughs> and then I'd throw everything else away. I'd throw all this away and just, let's just keep the books, okay? That's what I would do. But, but just think about that for a moment. This is a woman who has this talent. She uses that talent, and she teaches that talent. It became a best-selling book. And now the glory is going out everywhere. <laughs> That's what this passage is about. Okay? That's what this passage is about. This passage is that something inside of you is from God. Because <laughs> God makes all things beautiful. He doesn't make it beautiful. He makes it glorious. Beautiful is actually too lame of a word. Because God knows that if you come to me, I will do something. I'll give you this. And then what God did is he made us so that he would share this thing that he does. Now let's go to part two. I want to talk a little bit about some of the problems we have. Okay. Um, I want to ask you this question. How do you see the master? Now, most of us, so our, our, our brother Calvin gave us this beautiful testimony. He grew up in the church, believes in Jesus. For all his life, he spent it back there. 
right? He spent it back there. He's like, okay, this is all I can do. Okay, like, don't bother me now, okay? And now he's up here, and, um, but how did he get to that place? Mostly because what he's really, he, he, he's really, how does he see the master is like, for most of his life, he's not really thinking about the master. <laughs> if you're actually thinking about that, and isn't that just all of us? You know, who's the real master when we're like that? It's just everybody else. Everybody else is the master. Whatever they think of me, that's what masters me. And isn't that the way most of us are? So I want to just take a moment for it. Just think about this. If you don't believe in Jesus or you're not even sure there's a God, just how important is it that somebody is bigger than that? Like, so, um, Calvin, you get, you, this is cool. Pa- Pastor JP at our, at, our, um, at, our, at our retreat, he gave us this illustration, which is going to probably be in my head for the rest of my life. He says, like, there's a master, and then there's his dog who loves him. And then the master says, here's a bone. And he sets the bone right there. If the dog really knows his master, and he goes, don't eat it. Well, well, the normal dog will just gobble up the bone right away and doesn't care, right? Because, you know, the whatever it is, I'm not going to get this, right? But if there's a master and he really cares about his master, he's going to look at his master And then when his master says, okay, you can eat it, then he eats it, right? Because if there is someone whose voice is bigger, whose perspective is bigger, whose purposes are bigger, it really gives you a certain self-control and a North Star, a focus. And if you don't have that in your life, and let me tell you, if you don't know, if you don't have God in your life, let me even say this a little bit more uh, sharply. If you are polytheistic, you have multiple gods in your life. There are some people who believe in multiple gods, like a lot of Hindu people believe in multiple gods. I, I would just say that you use those gods and there's still not one that could still have the power to really, you have to bow down. Someone really has to have that authority and power in your life. I mean, let, let me give you, a, I gave this illustration many years ago. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember her name. Um, I should have looked this up before I gave this illustration. Huh? There, there, was a, there was a woman many years ago, I was watching American Idol, right? And um, her mom came out and said, Dad, you know, like, uh, you know what, uh, what's his name? Um, the, the host asked her, said, oh, so she's really, really good? Oh, she's so good. On a scale of one to 10, how good is she? And she goes, an 11, right? And I was like, oh, one of those crazy, stupid moms. <laughs> that was like, oh gosh, come on, right? And then this girl came out. She was like about 17 or something at the time. And it was unbelievable. She started singing. And like basically three notes in, you knew she was a superstar. She started singing. She started singing. And then after it was done, after it was done, each of the judges basically told her, oh, they, they were shocked. <laughs> they were shocked. And then, of course, they all waited toward Simon. You guys, if you guys know who Simon Cowell is, he's, he's, the, he's the only judge that matters, by the way. Because <laughs> right? all the rest, he's mean. <laughs> and his standards are high. And the other ones are all nice. You know, Paula, nobody cares what Paula Abdul says, okay? <laughs> Unless she doesn't say anything nice to you. She goes, oh, she's kind of nice to you. Then you know you're really bad. <laughs> but everybody waits for Simon. And then when Simon basically said, you're unbelievable, you know what happened? She just started bawling. 
She, she, she just, it was, it was so real. Like all her heart and soul, she just completely started bawling. And let me say this to you. There is a day you will meet someone who is infinite, whose voice will be infinitely more important than Simon Cowell. <laughs> right? And what he thinks of you, if he says to you, something like this passage says, you're really good. You will bawl that day. And everything in your heart will come pouring out. But if he says to you, what the heck did you do? That will be the worst day of your life. <laughs> now, all of us, whether you know it or not, you don't believe in God, somebody in your life has that power. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it was a coach. And if nobody else has that, nobody has that power in your life, you're probably a really, really broken person. Because nobody is, the, is like the keeper of the glory that you really, really love, and then they could bless you. See, this is the word that you really, really, you need this blessed word. But someone really, really important has to be able to say this to you. Now, now let's talk about this for a little bit. Now we're sticking to this really raw and kind of scary thing. Okay, you're going to come before Jesus one day. And he's going to say to you, what did you do with my $2 million gift? Of course, we're gonna, and you know, whatever it is. And you're going to be like, oh man. And some of you are probably feeling right now, oh my gosh, I'm I think I'm the third guy. I'm in big trouble. I want to ask you this question. It's in the passage. How do you look at the master? How do you look at the master? So the first two guys said, the master gave me this really important thing, and I want to use it for him. I want to use it his way. And it's so good that if I give it out, it just, it just like it grows and multiplies and incredible things happen with it because it's glory. That's what it is. But then the third guy, so the third guy, here's what he says. This is really, really amazing. Um, so, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. So let me just give what is yours back to you. Let me ask you this question. Does this guy know Jesus? Is this Jesus? So when you meet Jesus, is this all what you're going to say to him? I knew you were really a hard person. And you don't actually reap anything that you sow, which is a lie, because Jesus reaps and then he sows everywhere. He reaps mercy, he sows mercy, and then he reaps. He sows riches, and then he reaps. He sows grace and love everywhere, and then he reaps. So is, that, is this a good description of Jesus? It is not a good description of Jesus. I would say this is a description of like some master on the earth. We look at other people, and we just think, there's somebody, they're going to be unfair to us. and then So we're afraid to use this thing and go put it out, but that's not how Jesus is. The real Jesus isn't like this at all. The real Jesus says, take a step. But what if I fall down and I fail? But I forgive you. <laughs> but what if I blow it and it's all about me? But I've watched you. Take a shot. It's my glory and it'll grow. It's the only way I go. See? Who do you see? So I would say this third guy, this third guy doesn't know the master. And that's his real problem. 
His real problem is not that he didn't handle his wealth. He didn't even know who the heck the master is. <laughs> that's his real problem. In your life, I would say that's the real fundamental question. The real fundamental question is, do you know who your master is? And you know what he's given you. Now, I want to close with this. There's something else that's said in this passage, which I've been thinking about for weeks, is this is what the master says to those who really know him and then have taken their talents and used it. So this is the word he says. So, and, and this is the way I started our service. So um, his master said to him, verse, this is verse 21, and then he says it again in verse 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now, here, this is the part I've been thinking about. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. What's that, what's that about? And I've been thinking about the gospel. And let me, and what this means. So this is, according to the Bible, God is a holy trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are three persons, and yet this mysterious thing that, 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 there's, that they are so one that we would we have to invent this word triune, and that they are one, so deeply one. And Christian theologians have meditated on this over the years and said, what this means is that in the midst of God is a love and a serving which is infinite and eternal and a movement of love. So what does this movement of love looks like? So think about this. Only Christianity has this vision of God. Ju let's say Judaism or Islam, they both believe like we do that there's only one God, but there's only one person and then there's he's by himself. You know what that means? That means in Islam, love is not ultimate. And serving and giving is not ultimate because it wasn't from forever and ever. In Judaism, maybe God is righteous, and he's, but he's by himself, but he's not loving anybody because there was a time when there was nobody else except for him. So love can't have been an eternal thing even in Judaism. Maybe it's there kind of, it is there in, um, in, in potentiality because God is a loving God according to Judaism, absolutely. But he's not doing the actual work of loving. In Christianity, there's three persons in one. And you know what? They're, this is what they're doing. Okay, this is what they're doing. Each is pouring out their glory to the other. That's what they're doing. Each is not saying, I'm really worried about, you know, this, the father's, I'm really worried about what the son is going to think about me, so I'm not going to give him any of my glory. <laughs> is that what he's doing? Oh, I'm really worried that I'm going to like fall short and make myself look really stupid, so I'm not going to like try with this piece of glory that I haven't made and give it to him. Is that what he's doing? Of course not. Each of the persons of the Holy Trinity are pouring out whatever glory they have into the max. Of course, whatever glory they have is the infinite all glory of God, and they're giving it out to each other, and then they're pouring it out back and forth to each other. You know what that movement is called in Christianity? It's love. So stewardship of glory and love are absolutely interlocked in the biblical vision of God. And so here's what God did. He poured out all his glory to each other. And then at some point he said, let's make a world. And in that world, I want to make a very special creature. One that's like me. 
So then he makes one in the image of God. That's what human beings are, okay? A human being isn't like a smarter monkey, okay? A human being is in the, a monkey is like nothing compared to God, to, to that who's made an image of God because infinite glory is put into us and then something, that's why it's worth at least $2 million, okay? And you're going, and then now go and use and serve. And pour yourself out. But that's not what we did. Sin came along, and instead of pouring out, what we did is we put it to me. Give it to me. It's always about me. Whatever glory. is like, I'm a smart person, so then I'm going to become a valedictorian. I'm going to go to smart school, and now, now glorify me. Or I'm, I'm really good at music, so I'm going to be up here, and this is how I'm going to make some money, and I'll glorify. It's, it always comes back not about pouring out to the other. It comes back to us. So, let me, give, so like, let me get back to this vocabulary here. Martin Luther said that sin, and you guys know, you guys heard me say this. This is the way Martin Luther describes sin. Sin is the curved inness of the soul. It's the incurvatus of the soul. The soul wants to curve in on itself because it's all about me. But actually, if you're really like God, it doesn't curve in on itself, it comes out. It's poured out. And whatever glory we have, we, we, we really, that especially, we want to give out. But this is where we're so broken. So the Son of God came in order to redeem and heal us from this horrible, selfish, incurvatus where we, it's always about me, this, whatever I've got, it's always going to be used for me. Instead, he came and he poured out all his gifts. He poured out his grace. He poured out his, I have a list. He came to expend and radically give away his glories, his righteousness, his humility, his generosity, his safety. Other people want to condemn you. Oh, no, you're safe with me. His vulnerability, his leadership, his wisdom, his restoration, his healing, and his forgiveness. And ultimately, he went to the cross so that he could give it to us and take away this gross incurvatus and instead give this to us. That was his stewardship. And so we could be most human, most divine, and heaven can come to earth. <laughs> That's what he did. Brothers and sisters, don't be so fearful. Know this God. He's not a hard man who's going to condemn you. He's only going to encourage you. And whatever your, your, your talent is, don't you dare think it's little. Even if you think it's little, he'll make it big. He'll make it really big. And you're going to do this you're going to start today and you'll be doing it for probably forever. And then you'll pick up more and the world will become divine. That's what we want Revive Church to be. Steward your gifts. Don't be fearful. The biggest steward of all has come so that we can be unleashed. We can be healed. We can be forgiven. And then one day he can say to you, oh, you did such a great job. And then we will ball with great, great joy. Let's pray. We're all about us, and that's why we're so insecure. And we're worried about other people's judgments on us.
And that's why that just shows us we're not thinking about you. And we haven't thought enough about how much we know you. Take us back to knowing you, Lord Jesus. Know that the master is not a hard master. You're filled with grace and mercy and healing and forgiveness. And whatever riches and talents you have placed into us will multiply and grow if we would just but trust you and obey you and live for you. In Jesus' name. At this time, we're going to invite you to a time of response. And this is also a time that we respond by um, having offering. And if you do not yet consider yourselves a follower of Jesus, um, we're not interested in your money. So you don't, don't, in fact, don't give money. We just want you to receive this word and meet our Savior and so that you can have a really great and beautiful master. So for those of you who, um, who do believe in Jesus, you know, give gladly, but not, you know, not even just your money. Think about your talents. Think about your talents, how you can take a step like Calvin Perumala and let the glories multiply.